Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today, we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story of getting an ex to get a tattoo and then immediately leaving them. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, my girlfriend set me up, so I got her arrested. They say revenge is best served cold, but all I could feel was burning rage and self-loathing from being too stupid and trusting. It burned so fiercely in me that it almost hurt as much as my wrists, which were cuffed unnecessarily tight behind my back. The back of the police car would have been comfy in any other circumstance, but now even that was torture for me. Maybe it was torturous because I knew I would be put in jail for a long time, or maybe it was torturous because Kayla, my girlfriend, well, ex-girlfriend of 8 plus years, had been the one to set up this whole arrest. Perhaps it was a weird blend of those things. The painful part about this is that Kayla and I had a history. A lot had happened in our roughly 8 years of dating. Things were tough back then when I met Kayla. Well, a little hard may have been understating things. My mom passed early on in my life, and my dad didn't take that well and drank himself to death shortly after. It was in one of those unfortunate orphanage homes that I met Kayla. She was stunning. Even as a young teen, lustrous black hair, framed a face with no business being that fine, I was hooked at first sight. Kayla had a different story, but it was still a sad one. Both her parents had died in an unfortunate fire. She was just a year younger than I was. To my delight, she was fun and just a little insane, but anybody that had their parents pass in a fire had a free pass in my books. So right there in St. Josephina's orphanage, we vowed always to have each other's back, no matter what. Little did I know that she would break her promise without hesitation. I was 14 and she was 13 when we decided that we had had enough of the orphanage system. We spent the next two years wandering the city, staying in shelter homes and under bridges. I can't remember when we decided to go into pickpocketing, and maybe it was one of those cold winters where we huddled together, knowing we wouldn't last long if we didn't get warmer clothes and eat more than four times a week. We were a dynamic duo, and we would pick the wallets of unsuspecting men and women in parks, subways, and other public places. That managed to keep us afloat for some time. We were like the teenage Bonnie and Clyde. But Kayla had a problem. She often got too greedy and impatient. This led to one too many operations going wrong, shortly followed by a chase by any nearby policemen or the enraged victims themselves. You'll be surprised how fast many elderly people can run when you snatch their belongings from them. Fast forward three years and now picking pockets is not just doing it again with the economy being what it was. We had to find a new source of income, something that could get us out of the trailer and into a proper home. Neither of us wanted to work a day job at a MACD's burger restaurant. No, there was a faster way. We would become marijuana runners. The risk was high. Marijuana was a grade 2 prohibited substance, and if we were caught, then we would be thrown in jail for a long time. However, the reward was too tempting to resist, and the demand for it was high. But the risk made only the desperate attempt to run the green substance. Well, we were pretty desperate at the time. 
We were broke and living in the car or cheap motels when we couldn't afford it. It wasn't the life either of us wanted, so we went into running marijuana on the streets. I was convinced that if we were smart about it, we could make enough money and get out of the business before our luck ran out. I was a bit worried that Kayla would get greedy and do something careless, but there was nothing I could do about that. The thought of leaving her never even made sense to me. Seeing how much I loved her, it took some time for us to find our feet in the weed game. The competition was fierce and brutal, but we somehow managed to avoid the worst of it. But regardless of that, the first year was rough on us. The streets were not kind to us because we were homeless kids. In fact, quite the opposite. Yet we stuck to it and stuck with each other through all the anxiety and fear that we weren't going to make the steep quota our operations head gave us to meet every week. The terror of running at the other end of the law. Throughout the first year, she was excellent to me. We ran everything together, playing the weed game to our strengths. I was already 6 foot 2 at 18 years with an athletic build. My endurance was decent too, bolstered by years of constant running as a pickpocket. This made me perfect for the more physical part of the business, which mainly included delivering in all types of neighborhoods, and being able to get out fast from such neighborhoods when it got too hot. Kayla, on the other hand, took part in the finance and management aspect of the business, which was where a lot of runners fell short. At the end of the day, it came down to math and management, and Kayla proved proficient in both. Up until then, I'd left almost everything in Kayla's hands. I never even considered that she might not be honest in her business dealings. Love had blinded me from taking due diligence. I took all she told me for fact and nothing else. So, imagine my shock when I discovered she'd been skimming and shortchanging me. That is, until she had a serious fever that had her down for almost three weeks. That was the wrong time for her to fall ill. Granted, there was never a good time to fall sick, but it was especially bad for them because they were closing in on a deal and they needed to cover it. If not, there would be severe consequences. We needed every area covered, especially in the finances. I was forced to take up the books and sort out business needs. It couldn't be that hard, but something was off. The numbers didn't add up and I could see it clear as day. The feeling of betrayal was almost overwhelming but I didn't want to believe that my girl had done that to me. It couldn't be true, maybe. When Kayla's fever broke two days later and she was up and about, I confronted her about the books. Her reaction showed guilt all over. Then she tried to explain herself. She said she kept the money as their retirement plan and she planned to surprise him. It was a blatant lie, but for some reason I clung to it. Yes, she wouldn't betray him like that. Everything was for their love. I was a fool. But that is not what completely broke the trust and that illusion of love. Also, ever since the incident, I kept a closer eye on the books, and I had more control over the money. She couldn't access it without my permission. The only way she could assess it was through me or with me out of the way. I didn't consider that she would go as far as getting me out of the way, but she proved me wrong. The big deal I wanted to score my retirement money from was coming up. But at the same time, Kayla was going missing at odd times. And one time, she wasn't home for two nights in a row, then showed up the next day hungover. I tailed her to a restaurant where I saw her talking to another man. I was shocked. Was she cheating on me? So close to a big life-changing deal? There was no way that she would cheat on me. But she had cheated on me once. Wasn't cheating on me just a step above that? 
So I took a picture and left before I caused the scene. I confronted her without showing her the pictures. Who have you been seeing, Kayla? I asked. She hesitated before lying to me through her teeth. I've not been seeing anyone. Then I showed her the pictures and her answer changed. Neil, are you stalking me now? She asked in a hurt voice that sounded as false as her lies. Answer the question, I said. He's just a friend, Neil. I'm allowed to have friends, aren't I? From there, it just dissolved into fighting and arguing. Then we didn't talk for a couple of days after. She would later come and apologize, claiming she was just friends with the man in the photo. She swore on her late parents that nothing was going on. You can guess I still forgave her, rationalizing it away because the alternate was to admit she was cheating on me. It hurt too much to even think about it. I still loved her and I was prepared to take a lot of BS. Besides, there was a big deal coming and I needed her, so forgiving her was a no-brainer. It was the last mistake I would make in our relationship. The deal was an exchange of the purest strain of weed called Indiva. It was the most expensive in the market, and they were going to give away grams of it for a lot of cash. I had everything planned out to the point of my escape route. If anything was to go wrong, I wanted the fastest and safest route out. There was only one person I told and involved in that escape plan, and it was Kayla, who waited in a vehicle at the back building of the place that the deal would go down. I would simply use the alleyway to access the back and get into the car that I instructed Kayla to make sure she was in. The deal was with ruthless businessmen, the Gonzalez brothers, scary bunch. The deal itself went down without much incident. The money was exchanged for the drugs at the discreet meeting place and we parted ways. I had notified Kayla the deal had gone down and I was coming back. The end of the alley wasn't far and as I emerged into a parking lot, I was greeted by the police. There were three police cars waiting for me where Kayla was supposed to be. As soon as I noticed them, I immediately ran back the way I came. But coming from the other side of the alleyway was another cop car. The cop filled the alleyway that was just wide enough for the car to drive through. I was trapped. But I didn't understand. This was supposed to be an airtight meeting. The Gonzalez brothers hated the police, and if they wanted to get rid of him, they would have done so themselves. No one else knew about this deal and where he would be. Well, no one but Kayla. She knew every detail about this deal, but it made no sense, and she wouldn't do that to him. But it was the only logical explanation I could think of. As the three policemen closed in on me, My doubt was dispelled when I saw who the lead policeman was. I knew that face. I'd seen it on Fredo's phone. He was the guy that Kayla had been meeting. The smile the policeman gave him before he cuffed him was whole coy. My heart sank as the realization hit home. A small crowd had gathered, and there was Kayla, watching the cops take me into one of their cars. Just before I was stuffed in the backseat of the police car, our eyes locked, and she blew me a kiss. That told me all I needed to know. She had sold me out. The lead policeman almost single-handedly handled his arrest. He managed to get him out of earshot of the other policeman. Your girl soldier, you know, he said. It was all for your cash. Your girl and I are gonna share that and your bed too. It was too much to take. I didn't bother to respond. The numbness from the betrayal was fading and it was replaced by anger. I had never been religious, but right there as the car rolled out, as I watched Kayla from the backseat of the cop car, I prayed for just one chance to get even. 
How dare she use my love against me, cheat on me and betray me in one fell swoop. I didn't deserve this. All I had ever done was love her. The nearest detention center was at least 30 kilometers, so I had quite a ride ahead of me. All I could think about was how I could get back at her. I said another prayer, and then another, because three times was the charm. Imagine my surprise when it worked. A trailer rammed right into the tail of the car, spinning us like crazy till our car slammed into a wall nose first. It was an hour before I came to. I checked myself for any injuries and I was miraculously untouched. The officers were in bad shape, but they were both alive, just unconscious. It took a short while before I found the cuff keys and relieved my hands. I emerged from the police car onto a lonely street and decided to exact my revenge. It would take a couple of hours before this whole accident was sorted out by the police. I had to work fast before they started a search for me. I couldn't believe my luck. I was being given a second chance and would not waste it. I made a beeline for a bar downtown where I knew she would be. It was where she went when she celebrated. I was sure this is where she would be. Her car was there, sure as day. I had made a detour through my home and grabbed a stash of the purest weed I could find and some cash. I also grabbed a revolver and one of the many burner phones we kept on hand. I went to her car and opened the trunk using the spare key I'd found in the sock drawer where she always left them. I put the gun and the weed at the back of the car as casually as I had done a thousand times. Then I walked away to a dark spot, 50 meters opposite where I could see Kayla come out. She staggered out of the bar, showing a bit of tipsiness. I waited until Kayla opened the door of her car and then dialed 911. I narrated to the 911 woman in a panicked voice, saying I'd seen a suspicious woman with a gun and some drugs, and I thought she knew I saw the drugs and felt like my life was in danger. I played the panicked potential victim as well as I could. I gave enough details about her appearance in the car, and then I hung up. Then I trashed the phone and walked away. She wouldn't be expecting to get pulled over and searched. Neither would she be expecting the police to find drugs and arms. She didn't leave there in the first place. When she drove off, I stopped a cab and paid him well to follow the car. I was going to see this one through. About 10 minutes into the drive, she got pulled over by the police. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. My cab was still a couple of meters behind hers and moving a bit slow, so I saw the police officer stop and immediately search her car. By the time we'd driven past, the drugs and weapons had been found in the trunk. We were rounding a corner when I saw Kayla in handcuffs being led away into the police car. 
she would realize it was me when she got the news that I'd gotten away. That made me smile because I'd given her a taste of her own medicine. I had my girlfriend arrested with the knowledge that she would go to jail for a long time. I regret nothing. So, are we to assume that OP is still on the run? Did they stop at a Starbucks and write this story up to post on Reddit? I don't mean to talk bad about anybody in a life of crime, but if you're going around making these deals trying to be a mastermind, I just think it's telling if you're going to go on a website and write out exactly what happened for like Reddit karma. Our next story is, I convinced my ex to get matching tattoos, then I broke up with her. My ex-girlfriend and I were together all through high school and even after. That relationship taught me that when your friends and family do not like someone, or they don't like who you are, or the version of you that they see when you're with someone, you might want to check in to see if that's the kind of relationship you want to be in. Sometimes though, when you really like someone, or are in love with them, you want to defend them and what you feel for them. And while that's not wrong, it's best to trust the judgment of people who you know truly care about you. My ex-girlfriend was the most toxic girl ever. When I first met her in high school, she wasn't so bad, but as we grew, she became so toxic that people stayed away from me because they didn't want to have to be around her. She transferred from a different school and came to my school. I fell in love with her the minute I saw her. I could not believe how incredibly beautiful she was. I was close to drooping as I stared at her. She caught me staring at her and looked away uneasily. I felt guilty about that. My mom raised me and my brother to be gentlemen, and we understood even as young boys in high school that it was wrong to do things that would make a girl feel uncomfortable. Girls already had to deal with different kinds of creeps. I made a mental note to apologize after the class had ended, and I did apologize. I walked up to her and told her I was sorry. She smiled and said it was okay. If I wasn't already in love with her, that sealed the deal. Whenever we ate dinner, that happened twice on weekdays because my mom was always busy with work, my mom would ask us boys how our day in school went. That night, I told my mom that I'd seen the girl I was going to get married to in school. My mom and brother laughed very hard. My brother was nearly two years younger than I am, but he already had girls who were all over him, and girls he liked in his class too. I was quite uninterested in girls and inexperienced at the time. Before I met my ex, I hadn't really liked any girl in class. There were girls I thought were cute, but it never went beyond that. Before long, my ex and I became friends. I already had a group of people I was friends with in school, a girl and two guys. We were thick as thieves and I tried to introduce my ex to the group, but I noticed she preferred to hang out with just me. I didn't try to push it or make her hang out with the rest of the group. I wanted her all to myself anyway, so I was happy with the arrangement. She came to my house often, and it was clear to everyone around me that I was smitten. We became very close, and she told me why she moved to our neighborhood. Her mother had left our neighborhood when she was younger to work for a wealthy family as the family's housekeeper. The family had been kind enough to take care of her tuition in a good school, but when the house owner died, his wife remarried and sold the house. She and her mom had to move back to our neighborhood. She also told me about her parents. She never met her dad, he left before she was even born and tried all he could to avoid taking responsibility for her. Her mom remarried, but her stepfather was very abusive and he'd hurt their mom whenever he was drunk. I noticed quite early before we even started dating officially that my ex had serious abandonment issues, but I didn't take it seriously. 
In fact, sometimes I got flattered by how constantly she checked up on me, trying to know everything I was up to, who I was with, and wanting assurances that I wasn't going to leave her. Perhaps I saw nothing wrong with her obsession and fussing because I also had abandonment issues from my dad dying so early. I secretly nursed a fear that one day someone important would leave too and never return. When we started dating in senior year, she became more obsessive and possessive. She hated my friends, especially the girl in our group. Too many times she accused me of secretly having feelings for her. Whenever my friend was around, she would try to outdo her or put her down by making demeaning remarks about her. It was as though it was some sort of competition. That girl was my oldest friend in the group. I met her when we were still children. Her mom used to teach children Bible study and my parents would let me attend just for the fun of it. Shortly after graduation, it was the anniversary of my dad's death and I was sad. That period was always a sad one for my family. My ex had gone on a trip with her mom and wasn't around to cheer me up. I called my friend and she offered to come over and cheer me up. We were in my room that evening when my brother let my ex in the house. She came up to my room, turned around and left. My friend was lying on my bed while I lay on the rug, reading a book, so it wasn't like my ex caught us in a compromising position or anything. My friend asked me to go after my ex, but I was too tired to do so. I was weak from crying a bit all through the night and hearing my mom sob too. The next day, my ex came to my house and apologized for her behavior. We hugged it out and I assured her that she could trust me and my friend and that we'd been friends for a very long time and nothing was going on. What I did not know was that my ex had gone to my friend's house with her cousin and accused my friend of trying to steal her boyfriend. They argued about it and my ex's cousin held my friend down while my ex hit her repeatedly. It was so bad that my friend's lips got swollen. Her parents were so mad they invited the police and were ready to press charges but my ex's mother had their pastor plead on her behalf. I only found out two days after it happened when my friend's mom saw my mom at a store in the neighborhood and told her. My mom was livid when she returned home. She narrated what happened to me and I was shocked. I didn't believe that my ex could do such a thing. I just did not picture her as someone that could be violent. Since she hated her stepfather for being so violent toward her mother, I figured she would never put her hands on anyone. I hurried to my friend's home to apologize, but her mom didn't even let me in. You have to break up with that girl. I don't have anyone getting murdered because of my son, my mom ordered. I rolled my eyes. My mom was exaggerating as usual. What? Murder? Mom. Anyone who can do something so dangerous could very well cause another person grievous bodily harm. I would rather be safe than sorry. You have to end things with her. I'm going to break up with her. Relax, mom. I broke up with my ex at that time. I went to her house and told her that I was ending things. She cried and apologized, but of course that solved nothing. Why would you even do that? I kept asking. I didn't want to break up with her, but I had to. Everyone who knew about what had happened was very angry. Continuing with our relationship would mean that I supported her actions. My male friends and brother were mad about what had happened as well. I'm just glad you can go back to hanging out with your friends again. I hated how she never even allowed you any space, my brother said when I told him, and my mom that I'd broken up with my ex. My mom nodded her head in agreement. I resented them for that. My ex had always said that my family and friends didn't like us being together, but I always thought she was overthinking. For a month, my ex and I weren't together. 
The friend who had gotten beaten up forgave me, and even though things didn't exactly go back to the way they were, we were cordial. None of my friends knew that my ex and I had been texting and calling each other secretly. After about three weeks of holding myself back from calling her and missing her like crazy, I finally called her one night, and we soon went back to calling each other frequently. She would apologize for what had happened, and I would listen to her reasons. I was so silly that I listened to her blame the violence she saw in her home for her actions. While that may have been true, she never took responsibility for her actions. I regret to say that I took my ex back. She went over to my friends and apologized profusely. I was touched when my friends told me, and that night when we spoke, as we regularly did, I asked her if she wanted us to get back together. She eagerly said yes, and that sealed the deal. I was ready to fight anyone who stood in our way. My mom was pissed, but I wasn't interested in listening to her rants. Yes, she made one mistake. She's sorry, so can we all move on? I would say to my mom. One day, my brother told me I was making a big mistake, and it caused a big fight. My mom didn't like that my ex was the reason we were all fighting, so she reluctantly warmed up to my ex. The friend who had gotten beaten up was very mad at me. She stopped speaking to me. At the time, I felt she was being too dramatic. After all, my ex had apologized for her actions. I stopped trying to talk to her too. My relationship with my mom and brother was strained, but my guy friends and I were still cool. I was out one day when I saw one of my guy friends. I said hello and he responded coldly. I asked him what was wrong and he asked why I was still with my girlfriend. By that time, I was very upset, so I lost it. There were so many things my friends did and indulged in that I didn't like, but I never begrudged them for it. I had always supported them. So why was it so difficult for everyone to let my relationship be? I walked out angrily and resolved to never speak to him again. When I saw my ex after my encounter with my friend, she became very quiet. I noticed her demeanor and asked her what was wrong. Look, I didn't want to say anything before, but what? I asked quickly. Well, he tried to get me to sleep with him after you broke up with me. I was shocked. What? She said, yeah, I promise. I declined though. It was at a party and I was vulnerable. I went to him to see if he could help me talk to you. I was livid all along. He'd been trying to get me to leave my girlfriend so he could get with her. I was irritated, but I felt justified. They were not at all trying to get me to leave my girlfriend because they didn't think she was good for me. He clearly wanted her, and my female friend was probably jealous that I chose my girlfriend too. My ex-girlfriend and I continued our relationship. It was she and I against the world, and we were okay in our little bubble. The friend who I thought propositioned my ex-girlfriend got a scholarship and had to travel, so my other guy friend staged a reconciliation and tried to get us to talk to each other. I didn't know that was what he wanted to do or I wouldn't have gone. He just invited me over to his place to hang out and I went. There, I met the guy and my female friend and I immediately confronted him about trying to sleep with my ex. Immediately after I mentioned that, he smiled and exchanged a knowing look with the others. I was confused. What's going on? We knew she would tell you that, my female friend responded. They went on to tell me about how it was my ex who went to my friend and tried to seduce him and make him sleep with her just to spite me. I knew my ex. She was very vengeful and I couldn't put that sort of behavior past her. I was embarrassed because, deep down, I knew they were telling the truth. If you want to keep dating her, that's fine. 
We have to support you, but you have to know what's going on. I thanked them and left. That night, my ex came over, and I just could not see her in the same way again. It was like scales fell from my eyes. That night, as she talked about our future together, an idea came to my mind. Let's get matching tattoos, I suggested. Her eyes lit up. Yes! She always wanted us to have matching tattoos on our wrists, but I've said no each time. Wait, you no longer think this is a big and pretty permanent step? She asked using air quotes. I faked a laugh. Well, I don't. Plus, we are permanent anyway. That weekend, she came over to my house and we went to the tattoo artist together. She wanted a small, cute tattoo of my name on our wrists, but I suggested a bigger one. She agreed. Since I was terrified of needles, she went first. I watched with satisfaction as she winced in pain, knowing that I'd break up with her soon. When the artist was almost done, I excused myself and acted like I needed to use the bathroom. I did use the bathroom, but I never went back in. I went back to my house and sent her a text telling her that it was over. I mean, that is pretty darn cold to make sure that she gets your name tattooed boldly on her wrist, only to send her a text later on that said, JK, see ya forever. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 